0: This podcast is brought to you by Langley & Benack, a full-service South and Central Texas law firm that delivers the highest quality legal advice coupled with exceptional client service. From our main office in San Antonio, we provide the resources of a national firm while maintaining close ties to the communities in which we practice. To learn more, please visit us at LangleyBenack.com. That's LangleyBenack.com, Or call us at 210-736-6600. Today's episode is part three of a five-part series on family law. This series is hosted by Sharla Davies.
1: information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Langley and Benack podcast are for information purposes only and should not be considered legal or professional advice for any particular situation. The presentation of this informational content does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website at www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600. This is Sharla Davies. I am a family law attorney and board certified um, in the state of Texas to practice family law. I am a shareholder at the law offices of Langley & Banack, and I'm coming to you today from our offices in San Antonio. Today I wanted to go over um, what to expect after you file for divorce. A lot of times um, filing for divorce in and of itself is a big step but there's a lot more to divorce other than just filing the initial paperwork. Um, You have to figure out how am I going to notify um, my partner, my spouse um, about the divorce. There's a couple of different ways that that I do it. Um, If the parties are um, getting along fairly well. If they have talked about the divorce um, I will or even if they haven't talked about the divorce I always offer um, myself to send a letter to the other party um, along with uh, what's called a waiver of citation and the petition for divorce um, so that they're they're notified in the the softest way possible Um, because let's get let's get honest having being served with uh, divorce papers at your employment or at your home or anywhere, really, especially if you're not expecting them, is jarring and it often sets up um, just a bad start for um, the divorce process going forward. So, what I generally do is again, I offer that. Um, I'll write a letter explaining who I am, enclosing uh, a copy of the petition and uh, letting them know that um, the waiver of citation is there uh, for them to sign if they, if they don't want to have a process server um, come and deliver the paperwork to them. Um, they can sign that and return it or they can have you know, hire an attorney and have the attorney contact me. And I generally give them you know five to ten day period to, to respond. Um, because it does take time to find an attorney if you haven't already been looking um and and it gives everyone a little bit of an opportunity to to kind of you know let the shock wear off a little bit Um, because it it can still be jarring to receive the uh, petition for divorce um even if you are expecting it it's definitely a sign that okay we are at the end and you know this is something that um you know, I, I do a lot, and I've seen it done different ways, and and I find that this is the the best way to handle it if everything is 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 okay at the time. If everything is sort of calm. Um, the other option that you have is um, when you file for divorce. You know, everybody's generally still living in the same home uh, for whatever reason there may be, whether it's children, whether it's finances, a combination of both. Most people live in a home that it takes two incomes to support. Not always, but I think generally that's, that's what you find. Um, and so we need to figure out what we're going to do um, while the case is pending. And you can't just kick somebody out of the house just because you don't like them. You have to either, everybody has to agree upon it or a court has to order it. And one of the, one of the first things we look at after you file, file for divorce is do we need temporary orders? And temporary orders, um, for the most part, they're meant to maintain the status quo, um, but it's going to look a little bit differently because, number one, we want all the bills to continue to get paid and people to have enough money to take care of themselves and the kids and whatever community bills there are. But we also want to put in some sort of a provision regarding the kids, where the kid's going to go, who's going to stay in the house with, with the children, um, who's going to move out, um, how much money are they going to have to spend on another residence? Um, what kind of schedule are we looking like, uh, looking at for the kids um, to go back and forth between mom and dad while the case is pending? Um, and, you know, how is how, the money going to be handled? You know, how much child support is going to be paid and to whom, if at all, um, you know. What, what possession schedule do we want to try? You know, people people do different things at temporary orders. Um, sometimes you are given an equal amount of time with the children. Sometimes one parent is uh, has the children more at the time than the other, and the other is awarded a standard possession order. It all just depends on the circumstances. And that's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand is that not every divorce is the same. Um, there's they're, they're very case-specific. You know, everyone, their children, your children are at different stages um, in their life. So younger children maybe need a different kind of schedule than an older older children. Um, you may have children that are old enough that they're driving themselves, so they're going to go where they want when they want. So um, all of those things are kind of figured out initially fairly quickly. Um, and you can have a hearing for temporary orders set within uh, about a week or two these days. So um, and right now we're doing it via Zoom but traditionally we'd go down to the courthouse and have a hearing. Um, a lot of times I try to work out temporary words ahead of time, um, especially if, you know, they're re- we're really not fighting over a bunch of, bunch of things. It's just a matter of figuring out money and who can do what and where. And again, it's temporary. It's not something that you're gonna live with um, indefinitely. Um, so that's where we first start out. And so a lot of times, that's the, that's the first step we go through. Um, after we do temporary orders um, and, and that part is settled, we start um, the, disc, the discovery process. And that, can look, that, that looks different um, depending on the case. Um, a lot of times people can, if they don't have a large estate, um, it's simply a matter of um, exchanging what we call, we refer to as inventory and appraisement which is where each party does it, makes their own list, and it's a list of all the assets and all the liabilities. And they sign it before a notary swearing. This is everything we have, everything that I know about. And so that's the, the minimum baseline of information you want to exchange. Um, for other people who might have um, larger estates and there's questions, you know one, one spouse has no idea uh, about what's going on with any of of their assets, you do a little bit more deeper discovery. It's where you send out um, requests for certain documents. And if you're gonna have a contested custody case, you know, you send out uh, interrogatories. A a lot of this is just a way to find out what is it, number one, what's in the community, what do we have, what does the other person say it is, where it is, um, what the other people wanna do with, um, you know, if we can't agree on kids, It's what evidence, you know, you have regarding your children. And it can go anywhere from photographs, um, report cards, um, emails, anything kind of uh, videos, you name it. It it can be anything that could be relevant to the case. You're discovering it because you don't know, you know. What, what's going on? You may have, one party may have a video of the other parent yelling and screaming at the kids or doing you know something inappropriate. That's, that's relative. That, that's relevant. We need to, you need to know about those things. And the discovery process is there to kind of help facilitate um, settlement because family law, the, the, our courts, they do, they want us to try to settle the cases. Um, because they know as well as everyone else that has done uh, family law for a while that the, the more you can do on your own, the, the, the better you'll be going forward. Um, because, uh, you know, fighting about these things in the courthouse definitely does not lead to um, a good relationship um, going forward. You know, sometimes it can, but most of the time there's, there's some sort of resentment um, because this is where you get up on the stand and say, oh, the horrible things that, uh, you've, you, you, your I guess your uh, perception of your, your partner, your spouse, all the things that they did that, uh, you didn't like and what have you. And the same is said, uh, said about you. So imagine that that's not the greatest way to, to go forward. Um, if you, especially if you have to continue parenting young children, and so, also during, you know, around the discovery time and after the after the temporary orders and discoveries started, depending on where we are, you know, I tried to start to identify, okay, where are areas that we agree on? You know, are there certain things that we say, yes, this is this, this isn't, there's no question about it. Um, and then I kind of tried to narrow down the issues that are in dispute. Um, for instance, if we have an asset that one party says um, it's their separate property and the other... Um, Party doesn't agree, then we've got to figure out. Okay, someone, you know, if you're saying, "Hey, I had this before I got married," it's up to you to prove it. And what I mean by that is, um, Texas, um, our statute at the time, is makes a presumption that anything that you have at the time you got divorced is separate property. So, what that means is. If you inherited a piece of furniture from your grandparents, um, if you inherited any kind of money that you had, you have somewhere, or done anything with from a family member, you've got to show that where where that asset came from, um, and and you've got to prove what you did with it. If you if you you know if you got an uh, inheritance from a family member and you took that inheritance and you paid down the mortgage on your house that you bought together you've got to find that money and trace it out. If you have any hope of, of recovering, um, uh, any of your separate property, um, because separate property can't be, can't be divided, um, again. So those are things that we work on during discovery. Same thing with the kids. Um, if we are working, if we've got it, yes, we're going to be able to work this out. Or if we have people that are, um, contesting custody when I say contesting custody what I mean is Texas has joint managing conservatorship um, when parties divorce they're generally appointed joint managing conservators but then there, there are some rights and duties that can be awarded exclusively to, to one um, and those mostly the ones that people mostly argue about are the primary residence of the kids and child support those two kind of go hand in hand the third one is education decisions No, That's generally if um, you've got younger children. Um, That sort of falls to if you've got a child in private school, they're going to attend the school where ever the parent who's been been awarded the right to determine their primary residence lives. Um, We're also talking about where is that primary residence going to be? Um, There is such a thing as a geographic restriction. Um, And it can be anywhere from the county you live in to surrounding counties. I've seen it limited to um, certain school districts. I've seen it limited to certain schools. Um, It really just depends on the circumstances. So that's something that we have to try to figure out. Um, And oftentimes, if you have a case where where both parents want to have the right to determine the child's primary residence, um, you'll have a custody evaluation ordered. Um, That's where uh, an independent neutral uh, third party comes in Generally, somebody who is got the appropriate training to do so, and our statutes provide um, who what, what kind of training you have to have to be able to do these custody evaluations. Um, sometimes it might involve um, psychological testing of the parties because um, there may or may not be something uh, wrong with with mom or dad that, that needs to be deter- needs to be evaluated. Um, you just kind of go from there. That takes some time. And the same thing goes, can be said about property. Um, again, if you've got, one of you owns a business and, you know, it makes, you may, may make a great living, but that doesn't necessarily make it that, that the value of the business. Um, you have a third-party a third independent financial person come in and do a business valuation. And those are two components that you have to have done along with your discovery before you can even try to talk settlement. Um, and when I'm, when I talk about getting to a settlement, there's a variety of ways and, and there's two primary ways that, that I use it. One is an informal settlement, which is just the attorneys and the parties. And we trade offers back and forth, generally in some sort of a, a letter or an email. Um, rarely do we all sit down in one room together, um, just because it's, um, that's not always conducive to settlement when you're in traditional litigation Um, the other, uh, the other way we do it is we go to mediation and what that looks like is you're got a third party mediator. They're neutral. Generally it's, um, in, in my case, it's either a retired judge who, um, has, has heard, you know, God knows how many family law cases or another family law attorney, um, who's got significant experience in the courtroom with what, um, family law judges do and, um, Get yourself a good mediator and it's going to depend on you know our mediators are different people so i always kind of consider um who is a good mediator for my client and their needs who do i think my client's going to feel comfortable with because if they don't like the mediator they're not comfortable with the mediator so there's no there's no trust and and you're not going to allow the mediator to do their job really and not going to reach any kind of settlement Um, if that's the case, but, um, mediation is definitely something that our, um, our judges want us to do before we take our cases down to the courthouse. Um, and, you know, again, people think, well, what does mediation look like? If you've never been in it, it's, you know, again, a big unknown. Um, and it's not like you used to see on TV where you're sitting across the table and throwing things at each other. Um, you are separated into two different rooms. Um, Uh, one party and their attorney's in one room, the other party and their attorney's in the other, and the mediator will go back and forth between the two rooms, trying to kind of narrow down the issues and then trying to help them negotiate an agreement. Um, Mediator cannot cannot make you do anything. Um, They can't force you to accept anything. Um, They're there to help you kind of resolve it together. Um, But if you can't, um, sometimes you can get a mediator's recommendation that might help you resolve the case. Um, but the majority of the time, um, mediation is effective and, um, it, it can definitely be a, a good resolution, uh, to your divorce and help you avoid, you know, avoid going to the courtroom and hashing it out with, uh, the other side and then having to uh, see each other again at the kid's school for their play or birthday parties. Um, you know, that can, that, that's not going to be a lot of fun if, You've badmouthed each other on the stand in front of you know some strangers that you may never see again. Um, it, it's still it's, it's difficult for some people, so that's that's why the courts like us to mediate. That's why I recommend mediation, um, and it is about ninety percent effective. So those are pretty good odds. Um, you know the last thing that that you want to do, and if you have to do it, you do it, is, is you go to trial, um, and that's where you present your case. You each get to present your side to the judge and the judge will decide what you're going to do. Um, and you know, going forward from there, sometimes I, uh, you know, I've been before different judges were, you know, they have done, uh, you know, I generally think that our judges are fair and thoughtful. Um, some, uh, have come up with great plans to resolve the conflict between the parties when the parties couldn't figure it out for themselves. Um, so that, that's the great, that's, that's, that's the good part. That's where you're done. Um, you, you've gone through, and, and how long does something like this take? You know, I can tell people a good average is three to six months, but it really just depends on what all is going on in between. You know, how long does it take to get the discovery completed? Meaning how long, you know, how much arguing do we have to do about what one side's entitled to get? or the other. That takes time. Uh, a custody evaluation can take months. It really can. It just depends on, you know, the parties, how fast they cooperate with the person doing the custody evaluation and the business evaluation. It can take a lot of time too. So, um, those are some factors that you really can't go forward until you have that information. Um, and once you have it, you're set to go and you can either settle or you try you try it. Those are basically the two options that people have. Um, and so, um, going through that process is, is draining. Uh, it's difficult on, on the parties. It's, it's, um, it's not a fun process. Um, I always encourage my clients, you know, you need to have some self care while you're going through this divorce because it can impact You know, it's going to have ripples throughout your entire, your your personal life, your professional life because, you know, your family is ending and that is, that can be, that's traumatic. Um, I can't think of any other way to put it. Um, So some things I always recommend. Number one, if you, if my my client has, has a counselor, um, I encourage them to set up regular sessions because it's a good place um, to go and to have an outlet to talk about these things. Um, I'm not the person to call, to kind of talk about what um, what the, the other side's doing wrong and how you don't like it, unless it, unless they're violating the temporary orders or violating the standing order. Um, you know, I, I can help as much as I can. I'm happy to talk to people, but I think having a good counselor in place is so important. And usually they charge a lot less than I do. Um, Same thing goes for, um, any kind of other stuff, any kind of other self-care, whether it be, you know, having somebody to talk to, having a group of friends that you can go to that can be supportive of you. Um, when I went through my divorce, which I've been divorced about 13 years now, almost 14, um. That was the, the the best the best thing that happened to me. I have developed a core group of of friends that I could go to any of them at any time, and um, that that made all the difference. Um, having having a good group of people um, to go to to be that are supportive is so important. Um, and, and a lot of times, what um, what I tell my you know my clients that are moms or stay at home dads you know, they've, they've had the kids full time all the time, every day, and they don't know what to do with themselves when they don't have the kids for a weekend. And I encourage those, you know, get together with some friends or schedule, you know, something for you, whether it's manicure, a pedicure, a massage, um, anything really, whatever, whatever you do to kind of unwind. If it's go for a long bike ride, um, you know, go for a long run, anything that, you know, you can do to kind of rejuvenate yourself. Uh, It's important. Um, You know, I explained, I think I explained to someone, you know, yes, it's scary. Yes, you're going to miss them. But this is the time to do the things for you that you probably haven't been able to do for a while. Um, And and again, it can be anywhere from going to get a massage or watching what you want on TV uninterrupted for a couple of hours. Um, that, that, That in and of itself can be rejuvenating. Anything, whatever you do to recharge your batteries, and there's different things that you can come up with, but you have to take care of yourself um, so that you can kind of keep going through this process because this process can be, it can be devastating to some people. And some people, um, you know, they don't realize it at the time, but it's difficult to go through. And the more that you do to kind of take care of yourself um, while you're going through this process, um, the better you'll be at the end of the day when it's over. Um, because a lot of times, um, you know, when this case, when your case is over, people are surprised. It's very anticlimactic. Um, you know, when I've reached an agreement, um, we have a, say we have a mediated settlement agreement or even a final decree signed, um, one of the parties has to go to the, to the courthouse, has to appear before a judge and give testimony basically that, yes, I've lived in Texas long enough and Bear County long enough. And yes this is our agreement and i would like to get divorced and you're granted a divorce in a matter of minutes and you know you can see the shock on people's faces when when we're walking out that that was wow it's over and they don't quite believe it um will so always have something kind of prepared so i always tell them to have something prepared um for themselves after that because that's the moment when the judge says you're divorced um that, that's a big moment, um, and it, whether it is having somebody else take care of your kids so you can go take care of yourself, um, you know that, that that's something. Uh, if you've got friends, you know, have somebody having somebody there to pick you up, take you out, um, whether it be just for a meal, whether it be for a cocktail, whatever, um, you know. Myself, I went home and took a nap, <laughs> uh, and you know, it, it, it's what you need to do to take care of yourself because divorce is hard. Um, the process is draining. And um there's um there's things you can do to help yourself get through it. And, and there's tons of resources out there um today for people going through divorce. There's various support groups, um, there's independent counselors, uh, you name it. It's um it's something that's important to, to focus on, not just the legal aspect of it and what you're doing in your case-wise, but also what you're doing for yourself personally. Um it makes a big difference. And so, um, those are just a few of my my kind of tips. This is not, you know, comprehensive by any means, any stretch of the imagination. But um, these are things I think that, that a lot of people just don't know some of the basics about about divorce. And you know, it's a good thing if you don't know about divorce. Um, but if, if you need to know about it, uh, you know, I try to share as much information as I can. Because I do think knowledge is power. And just by listening to this podcast, you're getting information. And it may lead you to more information and the, you know, it's the more, you know, the better off you are. Um, so I thank everyone for listening. Hope everyone is staying safe and, uh, look forward to the next episode I have, um, which is, uh, it's going to kind of cover I'm divorced. Now what happens now? What do I do? So everybody have a great day. Be careful. And thank you very much for listening.
0: Thank you for joining us today for the Langley and Benack podcast. Please subscribe to get the latest updates. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website, www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600.